When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 70 of the Burden of Command podcast. Today's guest is going to be one that I think every single listener is going to really enjoy and find some value in, no matter what your stage or journey is. His name is Wayne B. Titus, and he's another guest from our uh, friends over at C.S. Lewis Publicist and Company. Wayne is an expert in taxes and finances in general, but especially when it comes to entrepreneurship. And that's going to be the focus of our discussion today. Now, he has a lot of great information to pass on. Uh, We'll talk about his book. Uh, So I would highly recommend right now, before we get into the show, that maybe you grab a pad and uh, get ready to take some notes because he really does a great job of expressing how important it is for us as entrepreneurs Uh, and general public, uh, to pay attention to our finances and gives us some great tips on uh, how to do that and what to look for as we look for financial advisors and experts to guide us through our journey. So without further ado, here is my interview with Wayne B. Titus III. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Burden of Command podcast. Uh, today's guest is Mr. Wayne B. Titus III. I never get a chance to, to have a third on here, so I wanted to make sure I emphasize that. Uh, Wayne founded AMDG Financial and AMDG Business Advisory Services in 2002 based on his 15 years of experience at two large accounting firms working with Fortune 50 clients. He dove into entrepreneurship to make a bigger impact on people's lives. As a fee-only fiduciary advisor, his loyalty is to his clients. He places their interests ahead of his own and ahead of his firm's. With assets totaling nearly $200 million, AMDG Financial integrates tax, financial, and investment strategies to help clients make financial and life transitions successful on purpose. The company's credo is, from financial wisdom better stewardship. He's also author of the book, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being. Wayne, thanks for joining us today. Earl, it's my great pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this discussion because uh, you know I've had a lot of guests on here talking about a lot of different things. We've talked about just pure leadership. We've talked about recruitment practices. We've talked about... Uh, uh, well, we talked about just about every aspect of entrepreneurship, I think, except for the financial aspect. So I'm really, really excited to kind of have this discussion uh, today. So thank you again for, for bringing that expertise onto my show. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, no, uh, well before, we get into, uh, before we get into the financial piece, why don't we go ahead and uh, start you where I start all my guests. When you hear the phrase burden of command, what does that mean to you? The burden of command to me is you know the responsibility that i have for my team my clients their families my team's families and our business partners you know you can get ahead fast by yourself but you can't get ahead fast um, or you can't get ahead unless you're really working together and so for me the burden of command is making sure everything is beneficial to all all people concerned and and thinking about that forcing yourself to think about that from all different aspects mm. no I like that and it's it's true right it's it, I mean a lot of us get into uh, entrepreneurship uh, we get into business even in our just personal finances uh, we, we go into that with the purpose of being able to provide uh, not only for ourselves for our family for our employees uh, but we also go into it for the vast majority of us 
woefully unprepared, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I just finished a book uh, actually called uh, "Turn the Ship Around." Yeah, and he, you know, he talks. The author talks a lot about um, taking a, a nuclear submarine from basically the bottom of, of their rankings to the top, and doing it together as a team, and having to work together as a team to get things done. I think it's so much more satisfactory, uh, and you get so much more satisfaction out of it if you're working together as a team uh, towards a common good. Yeah, that's uh, David Marquet. That's, that's a great, great book. Uh, highly recommend anybody here uh, listening. If you haven't read that book yet, go check it out. But uh, uh, yeah, and, and you're right, and because it is, it, it's, it's, it's this. Uh, well, you you call it this in your book, an emotional journey. Entrepreneurship is an emotional journey, and there's so much you need to take care of, and the finance, uh, the financial piece, is a big part of that. And given the fact that so many people uh, get that want to become entrepreneurs uh, are kind of shaky on, you know, there's a lot that goes into the financial piece, right? What, how are you going to incorporate your business? How are your tax, uh, your taxes going to get filed? Do you have a partnership? How does that work out? So, uh, how do people get started on that journey? Yeah, it's, you know, back to the part about it being an emotional journey. I think, uh, you know, as entrepreneurs. Uh, our, you know, our business is our baby, right? It's, we have that passion, that love for that, for that thing that we've created uh, or that we came into and taking care of it is something that's foremost on our minds, just like taking care, you know, of our kids. If we've got kids or, you know, our furry friends, if we've got pets, I mean, you know, that, that burden of taking care of something that you care about is, is extremely important and very emotional. You know, this, uh, just this aspect that we've all been dealing with recently, uh, COVID, you know, we went from business as usual one day to the next, wondering how we're going to stay in business. And I think it's an important, uh, it's an important consideration to, to, to figure out how are we going to stay in business? You know, there's a lot of companies that were able to pivot and, and kind of get into some other, some other areas of, of, product, even product, uh, you know, manufacturing. Um, they were able to pivot doing meetings from their home. Some, some still had to be out there working, you know, uh, working directly with clients to get things done. But, um, we've, we've all had to pivot, uh, in this, in this process in one way or the other. And that in and of itself is emotion. That's a stress, right? Fear, worry, um, not just for us, but our significant others and our families. How, how are we going to make it through this? So I, th I think it is important to recognize, a, you know, an entrepreneurial a, an entrepreneurial venture is an emotional venture and it is a roller coaster. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, so one of my best friends from the Marines, uh, he's down in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, he just opened up a year, year and a half ago, uh, a brew pub. Things were mm -hmm. going really great, right? And uh, he was just starting to hit that... Uh, uh, kind of that magical profitability uh, number, and COVID hit, and you know he went from this very, you know it wasn't a skyrocket by any stretch. It was a nice steady growth. He tried to plan everything out very nice and and uh, and even keeled, and then like you said, COVID hit, and I talked to him about two months into it, and he's like, I think I'm gonna have to close the doors. And just mm. you could hear that rug, literally hear that rug being pulled out from underneath him. Um, how can how can entrepreneurs protect themselves from that sort of uh, that sort of thing? Well, I think you know at this point we've kind of got we're you know whether you think we're in the first wave, whether you think we're in the second wave, wherever you think we are, I think what we first should do is take a look at where we've been. You know, it's been we're nine months in. I'm sorry, six months in, we're in September as we're having this conversation. Um, but what, you know, what went wrong? Uh, what worked and what didn't? So examining what we could have done better, kind of anticipating what could go wrong in the future. I think those are two important aspects, you know, look backwards and then look forwards and look for the pitfalls. You know, one of the biggest things I, I talk with people about is uh, working with advisors and making sure you're working with the right advisor 
you know, the right advisor is going to kind of help you see those pitfalls. Because many times, uh, you know, earlier on you were talking about financials and, and having a passion for business. Uh, as entrepreneurs, we all have a passion for our business, but we don't necessarily have a passion for accounting or for financials. <laughs> you right. know, that's my passion. That's what I do. But we have a passion for our businesses, but we need to have advisors that can help us see around the corners or see the pitfalls that may be ahead of us. And uh, if you're if you're working with an advisor that wasn't helping you through this time uh, or didn't help help you identify opportunities with either the Paycheck Protection Program or applying for an emergency disaster loan uh, or Main Street funding or credits, you know, if you're paying if you had to pay employees uh, uh, sick leave, if they weren't helping you figure that stuff out, you might not be working with the right advisor. So I think it's really important to, to make sure you have the right advisor. And my dad was an entrepreneur, uh, is an entrepreneur, and uh, he was the youngest Cadillac dealer in, in, ever in the country when he was franchised <laughs> in his early 20s. Um, and he was very successful until one at one point he was uh, working with a boat franchise and he wasn't successful. And it was all because uh, of an advisor, somebody that gave him bad advice. I'm not saying my dad wasn't responsible. He had that burden of command, right? Right. But the bottom line was he had bad advice and his business and his family suffered because of it. And actually, that's the thing that drew, drew, uh, kind of drove me into where I am now. I thought, if that jerk can be a CPA, so can I. Uh, <laughs> Well, but but that's a great story because that's uh, you know I mean that that really drives a lot of people, right? Is you you see somebody who has uh, who, who has this opportunity to to help people, and they either don't take it seriously or uh, they're in that business for the wrong reasons, and you sit there and think, you know, I could do that better, and you get driven to go out and actually do it better. So you know that I think that's an origin story for a lot of people, really. So thanks for sharing that. Oh, absolutely. Now, you know, uh, so let's talk about this, you know, I mean, because I, I agree with you. I mean, being a coach and mentor myself, when it comes to, you know, leadership, diversity, inclusion, and all that, I, I'm 100%. I mean, uh, you know, an advisor, coach, mentor, those are all the same things, just kind of different purposes. So I agree with you 100%. But even the best advisor in the world couldn't have predicted what COVID would do. And then, especially when you talk about like my, my friend, uh, you know, down on the Gulf coast. So COVID hits and then we start hurricane season and now they've had to shut down on two or three different occasions because of hurricane season. I mean, that's, that's a lot of financial cushion to try to build in to weather those storms. And uh, so, so how do people build that resiliency in to their business well you know it's like any any good plan you've got to have a plan and then it's got to be flexible right when you when you go in you've got a strategy but the tactics may change depending upon what you have to change in your strategy right you have to be a creative a creative thinker to get around the obstacles that you come across you can't um, identify everything that might happen and clearly uh, the situation that you just described, you know, getting hit with COVID and getting hit with a couple of hurricanes, nobody's going to design that nightmare scenario. But I think that is an important aspect. If you have a plan, at least you have a plan. I think there's so many businesses that went in, they didn't have a business continuity plan at all. Um, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't ever consider the fact, what if, you know, what if we had a gas leak? Uh, and uh, we needed to work out of the building. How are we going to do that, right? I mean, these kinds of things happen all the time. So some businesses didn't even have a simple continuity plan. Um, and that's where if you look backwards and say what went wrong, what has gone wrong, you can better plan looking forward. And, and granted, many advisors may not have seen this coming, but they should have been guiding you to at least have a plan uh, and then, you know, being flexible from there, trying to identify, okay, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? We've got this other scenario. And maybe part of that planning process needs to include that nightmare scenario of, you know, a, a rampant disease and two hurricanes, right? <laughs> um, it's not likely to happen, but it does happen. Right. And how are you positioned to, to try to get around that? 
So, uh, and, and I like that answer. Um, but you hear a lot of these horror stories, you know, and, and some of them are just that horror stories, but some of them have actually happened where somebody goes out and they, they get an accountant or uh, they get an advisor and they put their faith and trust in this person and then they wake up the next morning and their bank accounts are drained and that person's, you know, sitting on a beach in, in South America somewhere. Yeah, that can, happens. <laughs> unfortunately, right? Uh, so how can somebody find a good advisor and what are some, I guess you could say warning signs that somebody should look out for? Yeah, I think, I think there's, there's three primary kinds of advisors that are out there. Uh, you know, there's the paternalistic advisor, the one that just tells you, you know, do what I tell you to do and you'll be okay. That I liken that to how my dad used to say, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Um, but, but a paternalistic advisor is just going to tell you what to do. They're not going to give you a lot of reason and help you understand why that's important. And some people are okay with that because they trust in that expert. Then there's an interpretive, I'm sorry, then there's the informative advisor. Informative advisors are ones that go out and do research, gather a lot of information, and basically dump it on your desk and say, hey, uh, here's all the, the different scenarios you pick. And they don't provide you any of that support or guidance that you might need to understand what they just gave you. That's what the third kind of advisor does. That interpretive advisor gathers all the information. They put it into the context of what they know about you and your business uh, and what you're trying to accomplish, what your goals and objectives are, and they help you come up with a plan. Uh, they have alternative solutions that they talk to you about, A, B, and C, and then they make a recommendation. I think you should go with option B because of X, Y, and Z. An interpretive advisor, I think, is the most helpful advisor for entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs, you know, they kind of go with their gut a lot, um, and that's okay, but when you're flying low and fast, uh, sometimes you're going to miss things, and uh, you can run into those obstacles that you didn't anticipate uh, and that's what an advisor's for. And if you're working with an interpretive advisor, they're going to help you uh, see those kinds of things. So I think it's most important to, first off, understand the communication style and the kind of advisor that you're working for, uh, working with. Then once you once you figure that out, uh, you can start to drill a little deeper. Try to understand: Do they have a process in place? Uh, you know, there's another great book that I read. Uh, a, a little ways back called The Checklist Manifesto. It's by Atul Gawande. He's a surgeon, um, and he was writing the book and talking about the importance of checklists. Mm. You know, pilots have checklists. Uh, sometimes, you know, you might have checklists in your business uh, as a coach, you know, make sure we do these things. Um, but checklists are important because when you, when you start working in the areas that are complex, they help ensure you don't miss anything. And that's what they found in, in many studies of infection rates in hospital rooms. If there wasn't a checklist, even if a surgeon was very ed highly educated and skilled, he still missed he still missed leaving sponges in, inside somebody's you know open wound. Um, why? Because they didn't have the checklist. He was thinking about too many other things. Um, so it's important to make sure that you look at the advisor. Make sure that they have good business processes, that they're using you know, robust checklists, that they're reviewing and updating those checklists, um, you know, not necessarily relying on uh, the recommendation of your friend that says, hey, I think you should use this guy, uh, and just going with it. You need to do some due diligence, understand the communication style of your advisor, and then understand the depth of their aptitude, right? Aptitude is their kind of their schoolwork, they're, they're able to do something. But the application of that aptitude is aptitude. That's what Gawande calls it. And if you don't apply your aptitude correctly, you're inept, right? So that's where aptitude comes from. It's not really a word, but that's what he calls it. He says, you know, aptitude is, is the implementation and the application of your aptitude. So it's, it's very important to find somebody that's got high aptitude. Yeah, no, I like that. And I, I made a, a note. I, I've not heard of that book, so I'm going to have to check that one out. Uh, but speaking of books, just to remind everybody, uh, we're talking about The Entrepreneur Guide to Financial Well-Being uh, with Wayne 
Titus. Now, you just said the word a couple of times, process. What I like is uh, part two of your book is really about, uh, you title it, the strategic relationship management. You talk very specifically about three processes in this section. Uh, so let, let's, let's hit on those real quick. Process for discovery. What is that all about? So, um, you know, when we're working with clients, one of the things that we want to make sure is that we, we gather enough information. So when you're working with an advisor, you want to make sure that they have a process for discovery. You know, what kind of questions are they asking you? Are you able to share with them what your goals and objectives are? We're trying to find out as much as we can to, to begin to fill in. We call it our master map process. We want to fill in this master map with all the information about all the terrain. I don't know if you are you familiar with the sport of orienteering. Oh well, I mean, not the sport. Uh, being a marine, we have basic yeah. orienteering skills that we have to go through. So I'm familiar with uh, with some of the basics of it. Yes. Yeah. So it's the same same kind of deal. But the sport is you have a compass. You you have a, a master map with all the information related to what the terrain is out there. Uh, there may be some surprises. But you get the, you have to gather that information before you ever leave the start the starting line, and you have to make your way through this course. And that's like life for for us as individuals, right? We've got a lot of obstacles. We've got ups and downs. We've got to get over trees. We've got to get under, you know, branches, uh, climbing boulders, crossing streams, whatever those things are that are out there. We want to try to get a sense of what are they and where are we trying to get to. And that master map process, that discovery process, gathers that information as much as we can. So that's that's kind of the first step. Yeah, I learned something else new. I, I never knew that was turned into a sport. Uh, I mean, because it sounds exactly what's, what was interesting hearing described is it sounds exactly what they did to us in boot camp to get us uh, into it. So the process makes sense. Like you had your starting point, you had uh, your map, and you, you had a starting uh uh, azimuth and distance and you had to basically go there and then that was one checkpoint and then you got scored on how well you made it from uh, one box to the next and yeah. so I never knew that was a sport so that's great it is they've, they've turned it into a sport and actually they use those same checkpoints in the sport right so you have different checkpoints you got to punch your card at each one of those checkpoints or now they do it with electronics to make sure you hit each one of the objectives but that's what we're doing in that process is trying to then lay out what are the different checkpoints along the way that we need to hit in order to achieve that objective. Uh, no, I like it. I like it. And uh, so the next process that you talk about is the process for communication. How, how does that apply to finances? Yeah, so that's the that's back to the types of advisors uh, that you're using. If you're If you're using an interpretive advisor, they're going to try to gather that information. So the first step in communication process should be you know, uh, you are, you know, you're the source of that information. You have all the content. You're the content manager. We're trying to get you to share that information with us. So the first step is, uh, as the content manager, you're sharing information with us. We take that information. We put it into our process. Our process then analyzes the content that came in um, with an understanding of what goals and objectives are and things like that. And we start to lay out what are some different alternative approaches to get us to the objectives because we're the process manager. Now, as the process manager, we take that information and we share it back with you as the client. You're, you know, you're the decision maker. If we said, hey, we think option B is the best option and here's why, you still have to decide you want to go with option B. Um, we're going to help you understand that. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about alternatives. But you have to make the decision. And then once you make the decision, we implement and monitor things to make sure you're on track, that you're getting all those checkpoints across that, you know, orienteering course of life uh, and that you're getting closer and closer and closer to your objective and that you have a high chance of succeeding. So as the process and implementation manager, that's what we're trying to do. And then uh, it swing, you know, the it kind of swings all the way back around to gathering more content. Life changes, right? Nothing in life is so constant as change. And so we're constantly updating with our clients. What's changed? Is that Does that mean we need to change the strategy? We need to just make a tiny little adjustment. We like small adjustments. We don't like big, huge swings. Uh, and for the most part, if you're planning well, you, you might not have to make a big swing. Mm. 
No, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and then your third process is the process for implementation. Let's go ahead and unpack that one, please. Yeah, that's that's like the relationship management aspect of things, right? So the process of implementation uh, is is making sure that we're meeting and talking about, you know, being on track or if we're off track, making adjustments. But it's also identifying the pitfalls. Uh, it's also about mitigating tax. Uh, you know, people are worried about the markets and the ups and downs of the markets. The markets are normally volatile. That's a that's the normal course of their nature. It's unusual for them not to be volatile. And I'm not saying the volatility is is you know um, something that we all enjoy. But that we just have to understand that's the nature, right? So what we have to do is make sure that we're um, talking with our clients about volatility and helping educate them to, to the fact that this is normal and then help them understand how do we overcome that? Um, how do we overcome that obstacle, that volatility? And we do that through rebalancing portfolios. Um, it's, it, you know, that's the best strategy to implement in order to kind of spread that risk out. Um, so rebalancing the, port, uh, the portfolio is important, but having a process to identify when do we rebalance? Uh, when when can we lower or mitigate tax? It's not what you earn in the market, it's what you keep after taxes. So if you look at the most erosive thing in a client's portfolio, it's not the up and down in the market. It is erosive, but it's not the most erosive. The most erosive impact for an entrepreneur is taxes, paying in tax. And I'm not saying to do anything illegal. I'm saying there's definitely ways to plan and be strategic about how you pay tax as an entrepreneur and when you pay tax. Some people say, I never want to pay tax, but, you know, it's just part of our system, right? Everybody's right. got to pay tax, got to pay their fair, fair, their fair share, but they shouldn't have to pay more than their fair share. And so having a process to mitigate tax is important. We do that by implementing 20 to 40 year tax cash flow plan to minimize the impact of taxes over a long period of time rather than just saying, oh, you know, if you make a contribution to an IRA this year, you're going to save money on your taxes. That's helpful, but that's not very strategic. Uh, to mitigate tax, you need to plan years ahead and to consider what's, what's ahead of us. You know, we just had this huge CARES Act implemented. Mm -hmm. Our deficit has gone through the roof. And, uh, you know, there's talk about raising taxes, uh, you know, just because we're in an election cycle and what's going to be the impact of that. But the tax rates as they stand right now are going to rise in 2026 with no change from anybody because that was legislated when they implemented the tax cuts in 2017. So in 2026, tax rates are going to go up no matter what unless Congress raises them earlier. And we're in one of the lowest tax regimes that we've been in in years. So it may make sense to pay tax now, to pay capital gains tax now, to pay ordinary income tax now and do Roth conversions, IRA to Roth conversions. It may make sense to trigger tax purposefully now at a lower rate than what you might have to draw it out later at a higher rate. That's called tax rate arbitrage. And paying tax now may be a good strategy. So we're talking to our clients about that. So that piece that you were just talking about, uh, you know, because uh, like I said, I'm sure a lot of my listeners are in the same boat as I am when it comes to this. Maybe not understanding uh, the the tax thing completely. And, and I know you're not here to give us a, a free tax class, but did I understand you right? Like, are you saying you could pay tax today? on future projected earnings at today's rate and not have to pay them in the future? Not, not on projected earnings, but as a quick, as a quick example, some people are putting money into IRA accounts or into 401k accounts. If they're in a really low tax bracket, maybe you shouldn't take the deferral. Maybe you should recognize that income and keep that money uh, in a taxable account. Okay. Um, because you know you're going to pay lower capital gains taxes rather than maybe when you pull it out later in retirement you may be in a higher bracket. So I think you have to work with your advisor to determine are you going to be in a higher bracket? What might that bracket be? 
Does it make sense to pull it out now? I'm not suggesting this strategy is for everybody, but I am suggesting that um, your advisor should be looking at that and they should be talking with you about it. Oh, okay. No, I was saying it. No, that, uh, that was a good clarification there. I appreciate that. Um, so now from a, from a leadership standpoint, why should entrepreneurs be considering all of this? Well, you know, entrepreneurs are probably, you know, their, their business is their passion. Um, and just because you're passionate about your business doesn't mean you're equipped to deal with these complex areas like taxes, you know, uh, financial statements, employee benefits. Uh, those aren't the things that you maybe went into business for. And that's why it's important to be working with, uh, you know, the right advisor. So uh, it's it's not like you should work with that advisor and close your eyes or put the blinders on and not try to understand those things. But it it isn't that complex if you're working with the right advisor because they're going to help you understand it. That's what an interpretive advisor is going to help you do. They're going to help you understand that. If you're working with somebody that just says, here's the information, that's not really helpful. And if they're just somebody that says, just do it, and they're not helping <laughs> figure it out, that's not helpful. So that's why I always encourage entrepreneurs. I think entrepreneurs should be working with interpretive advisors, people that are going to help them understand that so that they can build on that experience, you know, to better their businesses and, and, you know, do bigger things. Well, right. And, and I think that's the kind of the key there, right? Is because if you're, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you, you want to be making money so you can take care of your people. So you can do the things that you wanted to do, whether it's, it's your family, whether it's your employees, whether it's, uh, you know, you want to put a kid through college or whatever the reason you have a reason to get into business in the first place. And if you're not taking care of the financial health of the business, it's, it's almost as bad as not taking care of your personal health, right? If you're not taking care of the financial health of the business and it goes under, well, you, then you lose all the ability to, to help people, employ uh, friends, family, veterans, whatever your goal is. You lose the ability to create the product. You lose the ability to create uh, what a lot of entrepreneurs get into their business for, which is, especially nowadays, is to create a positive impact on society. And and it sounds to me like if you don't take care of this financial health, like in the beginning uh, and throughout the business, you run a real risk of not being able to meet that potential, right? Uh, you're absolutely right. I agree with you. And it goes back to even the title of your show, Burden of Command. If you're going to be in business, you have a burden of command to take care of that business, whether you know it's for you, your family, your clients. Uh, back to what I, you know, what I think it is. It, it just, you know, it's not all positives. Uh, there's a lot of things that we have to do as business owners that we don't want to have to do. Uh, and I'm not saying you have to do them all, but you need to have somebody around you that can help you do those. You know, uh, if you're not a great, if you're not a great leader. Um, uh, you know, you need a, or maybe you're, maybe you're great in ideas, right? Uh, you might be that visionary, but maybe you need an integrator. You need somebody that's going to take care of the de details for you. You know, the most important thing about running a business is understanding what your capabilities are and what your limitations are and putting into place somebody that can help you in those areas where you're limited. Because if you don't do that, you've got to really, you know, you, your business may not fail, but that's a lot of extra burden and stress on you and your family if you don't have if you don't have the right tools, you know, to make your to make your business successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, part three of your book uh, is titled Strategic Wealth Management. Uh, and this one, you talk a lot about, uh, you know, investing and really kind of taking care of uh, building uh, building for the future, um, but you you also talk about in here, and, and we can come back and hit some of those other things uh, if you'd like, but one of the things I like about that you focus on in here is charitable gifting, making charity kind of a part of your financial strategy. Why did you feel so strongly about including that in the book? Well, you know, for me, uh, when I started my business, uh, the thing that was important was to be working for the common good in a 
and, and not to be worried about my wallet. I always figured if I did the right things, the right things would happen. And to me, as part of my, as part of my business vision, I thought if I can help people uh, be successful then they're, and they don't have that, that worry and that burden, they're going to be more uh, interested and maybe free to share their, you know, share their extra with others. And so that was an important aspect of starting my business. Um, and that's really, I think, an important aspect of everyone's strategy to consider. Not everybody does it, but um, you know, it's something that can help you mitigate the impact of tax. Uh, we use it in our financial planning process when we do strategic tax um, plans because we, we consider it. You know, uh, a gift. If somebody has has some money that they can use as a gift, it can offset a, a Roth conversion, which then benefits you more in the future. Um, so, all of these things can work together, and charitable gifting is just part of that. Yeah, and what I like about it is, you know, if if you go with that in mind, I think it helps. Uh, just kind of from the the psychological standpoint, I think it helps the entrepreneur really stay grounded and focused on that good. Um, you know, because I, I interviewed a gentleman several episodes ago, uh, Corey Schaffer of the Till Valhalla Project. And I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them or not. Um, but basically they're, uh, you know, as we kind of talked in the pre-show workup, um, entrepreneurship is a big theme with veterans right now. There are just a ton of, of veteran-run uh, businesses now, from landscaping to uh, coffee companies to you know social media personalities to t-shirt companies, they're they're just everywhere. And, and Corey is one. He's a uh, he's a fellow uh, former active duty Marine. But the sole purpose behind his company was what you just said, kind of to to give back to fill a purpose. And so when you buy a shirt from them. And, and they're really high-quality shirts uh, at a what I would call an extremely competitive price. They're probably, on average, about $10, $15 cheaper than some of the other shirts in the same veteran uh, space. But out of that, you know, let's say a $25, $30 t-shirt, depending on what size you get, he's able to pay his employees, which are a lot of veterans, giving them a purpose, He's able to uh, hire their friends and family, you know, so if somebody's uh, deployed and their spouse or kid or something like that needs a place to work, he, he opens it up to, to them to try to give them a sense of purpose in um, just making the shirts. But he takes that money, <laughs> and it's just amazing what they accomplish uh, with, with one purchase. They take part of that money, and they make these plaques, the, these kind of, it's it's a, I hate to use the word gift box because of the purpose, but that's essentially what it is. It's it's a plaque with a picture, and, and the goal is to remember uh, what he calls fallen warriors, not just uh, military personnel, but, but first responders, police, firemen, EMT types. And if they fall in the line of duty, you can go on to the site. Let's say you have a friend who's uh, who's passed away. You can go on the site, nominate their family for recognition and Corey and his team, they put together this, this remembrance package and people will go deliver it. So they have something for that person on top of all of that, on top of all of that, they take a certain percentage of their proceeds and set aside to donate to organizations whose specific goal is helping lower the veteran suicide epidemic. And he's profitable. He's making a good uh, chunk of change. And he's rolling all that back into just doing more plaques and donating more money. And his business is growing because of it. And I, I think a lot of it is because of kind of what you were talking about here. Having that financial vision of what you really want your company to accomplish. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, he also kind of falls in that same category that I, I think, you know, uh, um, doing the right things. If you do the right things, the right things are going to happen. Um, I, you know, for me, entrepreneurs are, are generous people. 
I, you know, I mean, you're, certainly that's a stereotype. You can meet selfish entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that are just driven by profits. But I think most entrepreneurs really care about the people that they work with. You know, they care about their employees. They care about their team. They care about the community that they're in. Um, Corey, like you're talking about, you know, cares about and has a passion for uh, for, for, for fallen veterans and, and officers and, and their families. And I think that's what makes entrepreneurs great entrepreneurs because they're not just thinking about themselves. They're not just thinking about their wallets. They're thinking about a greater good. And um, you can do that in a lot of different ways. But you do have to have a little bit of, of view of financials. You can't just ignore them, right? Right. Um, and you, if you ignore them, you ignore, you know, you don't ignore any risk at your peril, right? You look around, if you're in the field, you look around and you try to assess where those risks might come from. It's the same in business. You want to try to understand those risks. You know, that obviously nobody could have predicted COVID or those two hurricanes you talked about earlier. Right. But you should be looking and evaluating where are the areas of risk? Where are the areas of opportunity? And you should be working with an advisor that can help you see those things, help you see those pitfalls potentially or those opportunities, because there's a lot of opportunities in small business for entrepreneurs to help their employees, to to help their own families, to help themselves. Um, that integration of tax, financial and investment strategy, I think, is more critical for entrepreneurs than, you know, than can be helpful for just people that have a W-2 job. And I'm not you know, I'm not disparaging that. I'm saying as an entrepreneur, you have a much more you have much more opportunity to control that than you do as a W-2 employee. And if you're not controlling it, it's going to control you. Yep. No, exactly. Well, and on that note, so in part three, I kind of skipped. You know, the charitable part was uh, kind of the, the tail end of that section. But you talk about um, you talk about wealth enhancement, wealth transfer, and wealth protection. Uh, and I think you kind of hit on it a little bit there, but but why are those three elements uh, important for the long term strategy? Yeah, all these all these things that we're talking about are what what we would refer to as advanced planning techniques. And wealth enhancement is mitigation of tax, understanding the impacts of tax that are potential, uh, and things on how you might um, mitigate those. So wealth enhancement is mitigation of tax. Another way of saying mitigation of tax. Wealth transfer is making sure that you have wills, trusts, you know, other documents, a buy-sell agreement. If you're in business and you don't have uh, a, a good um, plan for how your business transfers after your death, then your spouse is going to have to deal with that um, and may not be prepared to. Um, so you should be looking at, like, what are the things I should be thinking about as far as wealth transfer? If you have a a special needs child or something or you know or something else that you want to make sure is taken care of after you after you go you want to make sure you have that wealth transfer strategy in place you know we're not attorneys we don't write documents but we try to help our clients understand what kind of attorneys they should be talking about and what specifically should they ask them um, so you know wealth transfer is important uh, wealth protection is making sure you have the right levels of insurance. Again, as an entrepreneur, you have a really big asset. Sometimes you have business debt. Sometimes you know you may have bootstrapped your business and you've got your you know all your business debt on a credit card. What happens if you if you die and your and your spouse is stuck or your family is stuck with that debt? Um, should you have some level of life insurance? Uh, and what kind of life insurance should should you have? Um, so looking at different types of uh, life insurances or health insurances, long-term care insurances, uh, insurance is expensive, so you don't want to over, you know, you don't want to overdo it, and you want to make sure you have the right kind. Um, you don't want to have to pay for super expensive insurance when, you know, maybe the benefits not, not really there. Um, so there's a lot of uh, pitfalls around insurance that we like to make sure our clients know and understand. So. That's, you know, that's kind of the wealth protection aspect of things, making sure you have umbrella insurance. Uh, you know, you have your auto, you have your homeowners. There's a, a policy that bridges between your homeowners and your auto, and it's called an umbrella. It's a cheap kind of insurance, but it's, you know, it can raise the limits of your insurance if you're in a car accident or if you're sued pretty significantly above the limits that you might have on those individual policies. So 
having an umbrella insurance is important. Making sure you have the right business coverage, uh, depending upon the kind of business you're in. So wealth protection uh, is really more about insurance and making sure you have the right insurance, but in the context of whether you need it or not. Um, there's a lot of people that are older, maybe approaching retirement. Do they really need life insurance? Well, we want to evaluate that and consider, do they have any outstanding debt? If they don't have any debt and they don't have any, you know, beneficiaries or their kids are well off or really don't need any additional support, then why pay for insurance? Um, so we, we get into all those different conversations. So those are all advanced planning techniques. Um, the wealth enhancement piece, that, that's that 20 to 40 year tax plan and understanding the impact of that. Uh, but it's also on the daily, you know, making sure you, you've got the right strategies on contributions to uh, retirement plans and, and things that are important for entrepreneurs. So those are all different advanced planning techniques, and it's really important to, to evaluate that, especially as an entrepreneur. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, listeners, we've been talking with uh, Wayne Titus, author of The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being. Uh, Wayne, it has been great. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for writing this book. Uh, you know, as somebody who... You know, I wouldn't call myself financially illiterate, uh, but, uh, you know, this has opened my eyes up to a lot of things where, you know, maybe I was not as well off uh, financial literacy wise as I thought I was. So uh, thank you for writing the book. Oh, it's been my pleasure. There's a lot of great stories in the book. I, it wasn't something that I think, you you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to read it. Finances can be quite simple, actually. And, and again, it's if you're working with the right advisor, they're going to help you understand that. Right. Absolutely. Um, so we're sitting at about 45 minutes here. Uh, before we work to, to close out, is there is there anything that uh, we didn't get a chance to cover that, that you would like to touch on now? I think I'd just like to, to just summarize, you know, the importance of making sure you're working with an advisor that has a comprehensive approach to things. You know, it's important to understand a good process informs strategies. You know, that then determines tactics. If you have tactics driving strategies, you're going to end up cobbling together a process that's going to suffer under its own weight. So you, you, you'd find yourself kind of in a reactive mode, not a proactive one. So you want to have, a, you want to be working with an advisor that has a proactive approach to complex tasks uh, to help you focus on the things that are important to you and your families. Um, an entrepreneur's life is complex and chaotic at times. It can be very emotional. Uh, you need to be transparent with your spouse and many, you know, or partners in these kinds of uh, situations. You know, if you're finding that it's time to pivot in your business because of these struggles, uh, don't do it alone. Make sure that you can find uh, a team of trusted advisors that can help you work through this this time. Outstanding. Outstanding. No, I, I, uh, I think that's solid advice. And, uh, so now you and your group, do you focus solely on, uh, entrepreneurs or can the average citizen contact you to, uh, uh, to, to work on their personal finances? Yeah, it's interesting because when I wrote my book, you know, I talked with my publisher about the audience and, and, uh, I said, you know, really this, these, these concepts are, important for for families and small businesses and entrepreneurs and and they said well you got to pick one uh, so this is the financial well-being you know the guide to financial well-being for entrepreneurs but i do think these concepts are applicable to families that are trying to figure this out or individuals that are trying to figure this out it, it they're not they're not solely for entrepreneurs so i would say you'd get a lot out of it out of the book if you read this if it was if you were an individual or a family outstanding outstanding um, all right. So hopefully our listeners have, uh, have heard you talk, you know, from your heart with passion about this topic. Thank you for sharing some of your stories, uh, uh, with us on that. Uh, if anybody is, uh, you know, sold, they became a true believer in, in the importance of finances. Uh, obviously they're going to run out and grab a, a copy of the book. Uh, but let's say they want to get a hold of you. Uh, what is the best way for somebody to reach out to, to you or your group and, and uh, maybe work with you? Yeah, sure. They can they can find me through my author page, WayneBTitus3.com. My business 
website is amdgservices.com. And they can also find me on LinkedIn, Wayne B. Titus III for the Roman numeral three. Okay, outstanding. And and listeners, uh, I'll have the links to all of those in the show notes so you can uh, reach out to Wayne uh, a lot easier. Uh, you know, Wayne, again, thank you very much for spending this last, uh, you know, 50 minutes-ish or so uh, with myself and listeners. Uh, I've uh, got a lot of good information out of it. I will be uh, definitely reading the book uh, a few times over, more in depth, to get as much as I can out of it. But I just want to say thank you very much for your time and being with us today. Earl, thanks very much for helping uh, let me share things here on your show, The Burden of Command. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And listeners, uh, take the time. Grab the book. Uh, I guarantee you, you're going to learn at least something that you didn't know. No matter how much of a financial wizard you may think you are, there's a lot of good information in this book. Uh, pick up a copy, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being by Wayne B. Titus III. Uh, visit his site. Check him out on LinkedIn. More importantly, take some time out of all of the shows. I know I always make this request, but... When it comes to finances, this is something that's universally important. So please share this show. Uh, make sure you you like it, rate it, review it, and and share it out with your friends so they can get this financial message. I would really appreciate if you don't do it with any other show, do it with this one. Um, and thank you for sticking with us and and listening through this. And if you have any questions for me. You can hit me up at burden.command at gmail.com. That's burden.command at gmail.com. With that, I really appreciate you all. Thank you for all the ratings and reviews you've given me so far. It really does help those algorithms and and get these messages out there. And uh, I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast Networks include Ruby for Female Empowerment, The Best Business Network, and GPN for Geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric acid.